Hey, thanks, team, for leading us in such amazing worship, too. Your grace has found me just as I am, empty-handed but alive. And what an incredible God we worship and praise this morning. And uh, the privilege of being here and knowing him is something I take for granted, but let us not do that. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that we are here this morning in your presence, the majestic, only true God. And we can enter your presence and approach you boldly, all because of Jesus Christ and your amazing love for us and what he's done. Lord, open our ears this morning to hear what you would say to us, that we might be, continue to be changed and be able to share the incredible hope that we have with the world around us. Lord, watch over my words, I pray. Teach me, teach each of us what you want from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, incredible singing, incredible service, and thanks, Laura, Kevin, everyone who's led us, Brent, everyone who's led us in worship of God so far knowing that God is real and he is alive. You know, we believe that the purpose of humanity is to bring glory to almighty God and to enjoy him forever. And that is the great purpose of humanity. To glorify someone means to speak well of them, to honor them, to do what directs praise to them. No other purpose in life will bring fulfillment for humanity, true fulfillment, Fulfillment, except for knowing and honoring, glorifying God. And we can do that because of Jesus. The peace that we know and the joy that we know when we find our true fulfillment, our true purpose, is unexplainable. Our God, the God we've just been singing about, is the one who wants to bless humanity and bring freedom to all mankind. This is the good news we've got to tell. This is why we gather. This is why we're excited to be together. This is why we do everything that we do, so that others may know that our God is good. Today we're finishing our Back to Bible Basics, and I'm just looking for my clicker. There it goes. Sorry. Um, And, sorry. We'll deal with technology. There we go. We're finishing our Back to Bible Basics. And the goal of our Back to Bible Basics series, which is number seven of it, was to reinforce the basics of what we believe. We believe that the Almighty God created humanity so that we could be in relationship with Him and be blessed by Him and enjoy that. That's an incredible thing. We went through these to reflect on what it means to be a follower of Christ. That Christianity... It's about knowing God. It's not about being religious. It's about having a relationship with the most amazing being there ever has been. Grasping or remembering the basics of what we believe helps us to hear what God is saying to us through his word. It's helpful to know the basics because when we know them and hold on to them, it stops us from getting distracted and hung up on side issues. It keeps us from error and false teaching and conspiracy theories and goodness knows what else is out there that could distract us and keeps us focusing on the main thing, which is honoring and glorifying God. And so the basics that we've covered over the last few weeks is, who is our God? 
The God of Christianity, the God we serve, the God we teach in this church, is the one triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is but one almighty God. God the Son is Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human. And that's a concept that we've grappled with and and feel brought to us, and and it's hard to grasp, but it's just an amazing truth that we hold on to and we know. This is the God we worship, the God who is God and yet became man. He became man so that he could redeem the creation that went away from him and come back to him. And we thought about the fact that we can know this God because Jesus came to earth and made it possible by taking the punishment for our sins for us to have that relationship with God restored. And we've learned that this relationship with God is all about a relationship. It's not about earning brownie points with God. It's not about doing a whole lot of things to get favor in God's sight. That once we come to know him, Graham encourages us, let's spend time with God, listening to his word, praying to him, doing what Kevin said to us this morning, really listening to him. And our relationship is about hearing how much he loves us. It's not about earning favor. And then our last couple of sessions on the church and the Holy Spirit have barely been about if we do have this relationship with the almighty God, it will be evidenced by the fact that we want to be with others who have that. There'll be fellowship with believers and that the Holy Spirit will indwell us. We learned that when we believe that Jesus is the Christ, that we trust him and we put our faith in him, God sends his Holy Spirit to dwell in our lives. Not so that we can feel good and have warm fuzzies, but so that we can overflow with God's love and take God's message of love to all people. Because God's desire from day one when he created the world was to bless all humanity, and he wants to bless through us. Today we're considering the result of this relationship and what it leads to, and the hope. And we've been singing about hope. And boy, does our world need hope. I don't know about the people you've talked to this week, but I've talked to a few people without hope in a desperate situation, looking for hope in all the wrong places. And what an awesome opportunity we have to tell them that there is hope that does not disappoint. There is hope of being restored in relationship with God, and this is the true purpose of life. Union with God, being restored with him, And heaven is what we're looking forward to. When you look forward to a trip, to a place that you've never visited before, what do you do? Now, there's some people in here who I know plan meticulously. Sandra, down the back there, if you want to know about anywhere where she's been, just go and ask, because she looks at every brochure, every site. She plans meticulously. I think Mary Ann's a little bit like that too. But most of us, when we're going somewhere, we want to know what it looks like, where we're going. Um, And so we'll we'll look at the adverts, we'll look on Instagram, we'll look at web reviews, maybe if we're a bit old-fashioned, we'll even find a brochure, see what it tells us about the place, and and we'll decide what we're going to do when we get there. And indeed, we'll decide if we want to go there. I don't know about you, but sometimes when um, we're promised we're going to go somewhere, Maybe it's just for your parents saying they're going to take you somewhere. You might look it up and go, oh, that looks really cool. Mum and dad are going to take me there. That'll be really exciting. But 
Have you ever had that when you get there? It's like, we're going to the petting zoo. That's really cool. And we get there, and there's one sheep. (laughs) But there was all these other pictures in the brochure, but wouldn't leave the fine print saying some animals might not be available. Um, Or or we we look at that amazing swimming pool, you know, and it's there, and it's huge, and looks great, and there's toys in it, and, and you get there, and it's a bit slimy, and it's a bit cold, and it's a whole lot smaller than the picture looks. Or... Hopefully not like I've done sometimes. Promised my wife an amazing place, looked at this accommodation, it looks really good, and then got there and like, oh my goodness me. <laughs> um, I think that picture was taken 30 years ago. Because I'm sure it don't look like that now. <clears throat> There's ways to make up. I think I'm in the good books. Uh, but it's happened before. Sometimes things don't measure up. We look at where we're going and it's not quite what it seems. But you know what? Right now, right now, I'm anticipating going somewhere. And the place I'm anticipating going is the very best destination ever. I've done some research, and I'm really sure that it's so. Can't find much on the web about it, but still, I'm sure it's so. Travel arrangements, arrangements have been put in place. The ticket is fully paid, and it's non-refundable. But there's a couple of things I'm not certain about. One is the date of travel, and two, whether I'm going to be going in a group or alone. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, it's a one-way ticket, because when I go to this place, I'm not returning. Where is it I'm going? Not there. I'm getting to that verse later. Uh, (laughs) Where am I going? I'm going to heaven. And I hope you've got a booking for the same destination in eternity that I have. Heaven is God's presence. As Christian, our great hope one day is to be in the presence of God, to be able to enjoy him completely, free from all that distracts and enjoying everything God wants for us for eternity. As I said, I'm sure I'm going there. My reservation's made. Travel arrangements are in place, but I don't know when, and I don't know if I'll be going alone or in a group. So how do I know about this destination? Well, I know about this destination because God's word tells me about it. And there's no exaggerations about the claims in God's document about heaven. The Bible rather indicates that in contrast to adverts that we see, we'll find that heaven is far more amazing than we can even imagine or think about. In the Old Testament, we read a story about the Queen of Sheba. She was a really rich queen who heard... Rich queen? Spit that out. um, Who heard about King Solomon, the the richest and, and most famous king ever in Israel. Gold was just so common. And these are the words that Queen of Sheba said when she went to see King Solomon. She got there... And she said, I did not believe these things until I came and saw them with my own eyes. Indeed, the half of what was told to me about you, was well, sorry, not even the half was told to me about you. Your wisdom and wealth have exceeded every report that I've heard. So her expectations were exceeded. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes a similar thing about both the present blessings of God and the future blessings of God. And he says this in in 1 Corinthians 2. Now I have seen, no ear has heard, and no mind 
has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Just going to divert a little bit here. In the last few decades, there's been a lot of books written about near-death experiences, about people entering the afterlife and returning. And and they've been really popular because people are really curious about what happens because despite what most or a lot of people in our secular society will say, people believe that there is life after death. This, This life is not all there is. But I just want to say, let us be really cautious. The Word of God says, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So depending on what people are claiming or if it has implications that are contrary to God's word, it's very dangerous ground. We know that heaven is for real because the Bible tells us so, not because of the recollections of a little boy, no matter how fascinating that story. The Apostle Paul wrote about a man who'd been caught up into heaven. In 2 Corinthians 13, we read this, This man was caught up into paradise. He heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. God can and will do what he wants with revealing things to people. But let us be very careful that our expectations are always based on this, the word of God, and not be distracted. So what does the Bible tell us about heaven? In John 14, Jesus said to his disciples, In my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be also. What does that mean? Lots of rooms? Maybe we won't have to share. That's good. Oh, maybe we want to share. Um, I don't know. But he says that. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 5, we have what John saw when he, went to, when he received a vision of heaven. He saw a throne room where God is being worshipped, and he saw people from every tribe, language, and nation, thousands and thousands of people singing and praising God. In Revelation 21 and 22, we know that it will be a place where God will dwell among the people. God wants to dwell with people, and God wants us to dwell with him. It tells us there's no need for the sun or the moon to shine, for the glory of God will give it light. There will be no night. There's something that does disturb me, but I'm sure I'll get over it. It says there'll be no sea. I don't know what that means. But anyway, maybe kayaking is not important in heaven. Um, There'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more crying. And all tears will be wiped away. It says it's paradise made new. There'll be a river of the water of life flowing. There'll be a street. There'll be trees. It's not a return to Eden. It's something much better than the Garden of Eden. And in here, in Revelation 21, we read about the fact that there'll be a street of gold, and we often hear heaven talked about streets of gold. In 1 Corinthians 15, we learn that in eternity after the resurrection, we will have bodies. We're not spirits floating around on clouds. We've got bodies. We're interacting. We're in a city. It's got rooms. It's got a river. These things sound amazing. So much, though, we don't know. And the imagery that's used in the Bible and back in Isaiah and Ezekiel and in Revelation, we find the bulk of what's talking about eternity and heaven and God's presence forever. It's hard for us to imagine because language is so limited. And the writers are trying to describe 
something that is absolutely indescribable. So think about the most incredible thing that you would love to be in. What would be the thing that brings the most blessing and bliss and satisfaction and joy? Think about that. And I know for uh, teenagers it's going to be different to their parents. The music will be very different for a start, I'm sure of that. Um, But think of that, and it will exceed that by far. Billy Graham said this, Every picture of heaven the Bible paints for us is beyond our understanding, but assures us of heaven's beauty and splendor. So let's be careful to fill in the gaps and just be satisfied with a mystery that it will be better than anything we can ever imagine. Our God, the God we serve, the God we've just been singing to, wants to bless us unimaginably and us to be there with him. You know, finding out everything about a destination doesn't mean much if you're not sure you're going to get there. So much more important than reading between the lines about heaven is knowing how to get there and being ready for departure. I'm confident that I'm going to heaven, not because of any good works I've done or any life that I've lived, but because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sins. And on the authority of the word of God, I know that it says those who believe in him and trust in him will be saved. Through his death, he paid the price to open the door that I might get to heaven and all who trust in him. And we've heard throughout this series on the basics of what we believe, that it's a relationship with God and with Jesus Christ that assures us our home in heaven. It's about believing what Jesus has done and believing in him. Now, when are we going to heaven? When am I going on this trip? The Bible tells me that there's two possible departure dates, and I need to be ready for both of them. It's either going to be when Jesus comes again, or when I die. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, we read this, that Jesus is coming again. It says, The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and after that we who are still alive and left will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord, and we will be with the Lord forever. What a promise. The Bible tells us that one day Jesus is coming again and he will reign and those who trust in him will go to be with him. And that could be any day. People put all sorts of dates in. You can get on the net now today and find many people have predicted it and it didn't come right. The Bible tells us we don't know the day nor the hour when Jesus will return, but we need to be ready. I said, that'll be group travel, because all of us who trust him will go together then. But I also need to be ready for departure if God calls me home. It may be that the Lord will say, your time is up, and he'll come and personally escort me to heaven. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. If I go to prepare a place, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. What an incredible promise to know that when death's door closes, 
life's door closes, death, whatever it is, when death comes, I know that my Savior will escort me to his presence. The departure date is not a choice that I have, but I do have a choice about whether I'm ready to go, either when he comes again, when we don't know when, or when I'm called home. And do you know what? I don't know when that will be either. I think I'm relatively fit and healthy, but most of us are. And any day is a blessing. And God says our days are numbered, and one day he'll call us home. It could be tomorrow. We need to be ready every day. It's a blessing to know God and to be ready for departure. What an awesome thing to know that there's a, there's a place that God has prepared that means there's no more tears, there's no more pain, the anxiety, the hassles, the sickness, the things that we battle with here that are also forming our character are gone. Wow. Wouldn't it be good to have the ticket and just sit back in the departure lounge? <coughs> Coral Club. Oh, no, I don't get that anymore. I don't work for the airline. Um, <laughs> there is no departure lounge. If you're ready for departure, I just want to remind us today that there is no departure lounge. You see, if I'm ready for departure and I know where I'm going and I've got such an incredible hope as I have, I need to share that with others. As I've said before, and I'll share it again, the greatest crime in the desert is to know where the water is and not tell anyone. The world is in desperate need of hope, and if you don't think it is, then just go try talking to your neighbor. Go talking to some people in the streets of Howick. I was talking to my hairdresser during the week, new, a, new, a new barber, and had a tattoo on his neck, and I asked him about it, and then I just about was in tears in the salon. He told me about it was for his daughter who died, and, and, and all the mistakes that had happened in life, and, and this, this kid's just heart is just breaking, this 19-year-old, and, and just looking for hope. I recently was involved, unfortunately, in, in picking someone up off the street who was just in, a, in an incredible state with the alcohol because they're just trying to drown the sorrows. And this person, if you saw them any other day, would just look like any other uh, young adult in Howick. Our world is desperate for hope. There is many broken people under the veneer that we see around us. And we're not called to be in a departure lounge waiting for heaven. We're called to go and share God's love with the world. The Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last week, Jacob reminded us that we are given the Holy Spirit to be filled to overflowing and tell people that God wants to bless them. In 2 Corinthians 5, we read, Christians are to be Christ's ambassadors. What do ambassadors do? They represent the kingdom they're part of. They tell others about it. And we're to show others the goodness of God and tell them that they can know him too. When we find a great destination or a holiday spot, what do you want to do? You want to tell others about it, don't you? I love Mana Island on Fiji. It's the, I think it's the best holiday stop in the world, almost. Um, I've told lots and lots of people about it. I want to share it. I'm eager that people know about it. When we know about what God has prepared for us, why are we not that eager to tell others? Let us do that. The Christian hope is for the displacement of this world with a new heaven and a new earth, supernatural transformation by God, 
and his presence forever. Who's played hide and seek or go home and stay home? Who likes go home and stay home? Yeah, okay. Uh, so what do we do first? Uh, over here, well, I'll count to 20. We, oh, no, we probably won't play today. Um, okay, but, but you count to 20, and then what do you yell? Coming ready or not. That's right. Talking about heaven is great. When you know you're going there, it's fantastic. But if you don't, you know that one day you're going to leave this earth. And the reality is, every one of us in this room will leave this earth, this life. This life is coming to an end, and we will go to an eternal destination, ready or not. The Bible tells us that there are only two destinations. God has prepared for one God has prepared for humanity, where he wants to dwell with people and for people to dwell with him. And one he has prepared for the devil and his angels and all those who refuse to bow the knee to him. Hell is a place of punishment and pain. The Bible describes it as a place of outer darkness, a lake of fire, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place of torment where the worm does not die, eternal separation from the blessing of God. Whether these descriptions in the Bible are literal or symbolic, these words are trying to describe the indescribable. And we cannot imagine the dreadful reality of hell. It's not cruelty. It's about justice. For those who have sinned and turned and not accepted and acknowledged a holy God. For those who have sinned against other human beings who bear the image of God. Michael Bird puts it this way. Hell is a place for creatures who have rejected God's revelation of himself in both nature and in the good news. Those who refuse to bow the knee to the one true Lord and who would rather live in darkness than in light that exposes them. Ready or not, your day to leave this world is coming. And if you're not ready for heaven, if you're not ready for departure, then please heed this warning from God's word and get ready today. God tells us this, not to scare us, but in his mercy to warn us. And how can you be ready? It's very simple. In Romans 10 and 9, we read this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Ready or not. When I was about 15, there's two men I knew really well, and they were both in hospital dying. Two men that had had a lot of influence on my life. One was my next door neighbor. He was a retired farmer. He was a lot of fun. One was my grandfather. He also was a lot of fun. They were both good men. Granddad was a retired railway ganger, 
next door neighbor, as I said, was a farmer. They taught me a lot of things, but nothing more powerfully than the thing I learned, the last lesson they taught me. You see, they'd lived full lives that helped many people, but one of them trusted God and one of them didn't. As they both lay in their hospital beds, the contrast was incredible. In Warrell, where I grew up, our house was just down the road from the hospital. I used to get on my bike and, and bike up the hill. Didn't even have to lock it, just left it outside the hospital. Walked inside. And I remember very distinctly going to visit them. My next-door neighbour, I remember the fear and the anxiety and the pain in his face as he lay in his bed knowing he was going to die. And he knew who God was. He had heard the story, but he had chosen not to trust God. And he was fighting. Did he ever turn on his bed? I don't know. But I know that as he was dying, he lay there. As a 15-year-old, I can see his face full of pain. And I saw tears in this tough man's face as he struggled with the reality of death that was coming to him. I walked from his room into my grandfather's room and he too was in pain and dying, but he sat there with a smile on his face with absolute peace, talking about his saviour and that one day very soon he was going to be in heaven in the presence of God, not because of what he'd done, but because he'd trusted in Jesus. I will never forget the contrast. Heaven is a wonderful place, full of glory and grace. I'm going to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. My grandfather knew that, and his face told the story. And I'm sure you know people whose face tells the story that they know Jesus, and they have peace in their heart because they know where they're going. How will such a great hope, if you have it, impact the way you live today? Jesus says to us several times, store up your treasure in heaven. Focus on what's going to last. Don't put your effort into what will disappear here. Be ambassadors of the country you are going to. We've talked a little bit about heaven today, the great hope that we have, the incredible peace and joy that God gives us when we know him. I want to ask you, maybe you're ready. Have you been taken it for granted? Have you been distracted by the temporary things of this world? Are you experiencing the joy of God right now as he wants you to, as well as looking forward to it? Or is it time right now as you think of heaven to reassess, maybe repent of where your time or your things are invested and obey what God is calling you to do? He's calling every one of us who know him to share his love with a broken world that so desperately needs to know. And how it gets covered up with so much materialism. So much that's so readily here. But underneath that, 
there is desperation. How are we telling the story of hope to those around us? It's not about preaching. It's about being with them and caring for them and hearing their stories and making the most of every opportunity as they ask us. And I have heard so many cool stories in the past week from people in this church where God has opened doors for them when they've prayed for their neighbours and their workmates to share their hope with him. And that's what we're called to do. It's actually not that hard. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and he wants us to do that. Maybe life has been tough for you and and you're down and you're struggling. And you know what? That happens. Whether you're a teenager at school, struggling with people around you, people might be bullying you, people might be different. Whether you're retired and and, and wondering what life's doing or, or wondering why it's going so crazy. There's all sorts of things that can get us down, and and that's okay. That's life. That's natural. But can I encourage you just just to raise your eyes and remember the hope that you have. We know that in this world we'll have struggles, but do not fear. Christ has overcome the world, and he wants us to know the joy and the peace that we will know in eternity. He wants us to know that now too. So maybe you need someone to pray with you today to remind you of the hope of heaven and the hope you have, then don't leave today until you've talked to someone beside you or someone here and asked them to pray with you. But I also want us to remember as we think about heaven that there is only two destinations. And I want my friends to go to the very best destinations that I go to. I share those places with them. If I love my saviour, I'll love the people that he died for. And if I love the people next door to me, I'll tell them that the saviour loves them. Church, we have a job to do. That's why God's left us here. I love the testimony of Suzanne Biddick's dad, Rod Biddick. He's a fearless evangelist. Not many of us are like him. But when he's been moved into Ryman Healthcare out here just uh, last week, he said to Suzanne, I've obviously got more work to do. What is he, 99? Yeah. I've got more work to do. You know, in the facility he just was in, I can't remember what it was, he witnessed and two of the carers came to know Christ in the last month. If Rod at 99 is sharing the good news, at 54 I should be doing something about it. Live like you're going to your eternal destiny tomorrow. This world we live in is an amazing place, but it's hurting and it's broken and it's looking for hope. Real hope that lasts. And you know, at school you can share that. At university you can share that. In small ways. And can I just encourage you to hold on to that hope and read the word of God and read what it says about heaven before you go to school and university and work. Because the world is trying to tell you lies. And trying to tell you that this best is right now, but I'm saying the best is yet to come, and God wants you to know it. Know who you trust, keep close to Him, and be on mission and overflow. At HCC, oops, did I put it up? No, forgot to put it up. Here we go. At HCC, our mission statement is this we want to be a community where Jesus is encountered 
and through whom minds are renewed and lives are transformed. A community where Jesus encountered is a community that is telling other people about him, that is finding every opportunity to do good, to do the good works he's prepared in advance for us to do. It's being excited. It's being hospitable. It's being loving. Let's be that community where Jesus is encountered. Minds are renewed as they learn the truth and lives are transformed. I want to close by reading to you from Second Peter. And as I read this, it has a real challenge to us. I'd like you just to sit there and think. And then we're going to have a couple of moments silence. And then I'm going to ask the band to come up. But let us read this. Peter was writing and he said, this is my second letter. Well, this is not my second sermon. And it didn't go for eternity. Um, But why are we doing this? To stimulate wholesome thinking. And this is why Peter wrote, I want to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago that our Lord and Saviour commanded. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same and since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command and that he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same world, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They have been kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Look forward to the day of the Lord, hurrying it along. On that day he will set the heavens on fire, and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. So, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Let us live for him this week with the hope of heaven. If you don't know you're going there, please talk to someone, myself or anyone else, to know how you can be there before you leave today. And let's pray with each other. In fact, instead of asking the band to come there, I'm going to ask you just to turn to those beside you. Either encourage them, ask them if there's something you can pray for, and then the band will come and close with a song. Thank you.